Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Welcome back, everyone, to our second podcast. Yay! <laughs> Bitcoin Roundtable. Um, in case you didn't listen to the first podcast, I'm Darren. Um, and my uh, good buddy Vince is right beside me here. And uh, Hi, everybody. Lovely Livy, the producer. Hi. Everything technical taken care of, so I don't have to. It's perfect. As uh, we were chatting earlier, Vince, you mentioned there's two ways to get Bitcoin. Yes, I think the two easiest ways to purchase Bitcoin would be either with your phone or through what we did, and we went to a site called CoinSquare. Now, both of these are great ways to purchase Bitcoin, but from what I found, and actually Darren was uh, gave some great insight to this, is that if you purchase Bitcoin on your phone, it will always be on your phone i.e. you lose your phone, you probably lose your Bitcoin. I didn't really like that too much because I lose things all the time. So <laughs> what, what I did was I used a site called CoinSquare. And if you can sign up for a Facebook account, basically if you can do almost anything on a uh, computer, it's pretty easy and it walks you right through on how to sign up. Download the app. Of course, you create an account. Um, log into that account, set up your payment options. Um, now, setting up your payment options are interesting because I found that the bank that I was dealing with, it, the site did not recognize the bank for some reason. So that was a bit of a challenge for me because I'd always been with that institution, sorry, banking institution. So I had to go and set up a whole new account, which wasn't really a big pain in the ass, but still had to do it. Um, I set it up and it worked no problem. What do you think, Darren? Well, let's go back to the start. There's two ways to get Bitcoin. You can buy a Bitcoin or you can get someone else to bit with Bitcoin to send it to you. Um, and I say that because um, there are a lot of people out there online now performing various services, usually small services, like say program a website or uh, you know uh, make some artwork for a website or anything like that and to get paid in Bitcoin. So they are, they're not actually purchasing Bitcoin, they are performing a service to get paid in Bitcoin. That is one of the two ways to acquire Bitcoin. The other way to acquire Bitcoin um, from a bird you know from a large uh, uh, from an overall perspective is to uh, buy it that means trading your uh, another currency for it and to do that uh, all over the world the, they use exchanges and in canada there are certain exchanges you can use in the u.s there are other exchanges um, UK, yeah, pretty much anywhere, um, there are certain exchanges you can go to, um, transfer money to this exchange, and then trade that money for Bitcoin. So, um, 
you know, the most exchanges out there are fairly new. Um, some of them have been around a little longer than others. Um, GDAX is a site in the U.S. that's become quite popular. Um, a couple other ones are Kraken, um, CoinSquare, or Coin CoinSquare in Canada, Coinbase in the U.S. Um, in a more recent exchange um, that is becoming more popular is the Gemini Exchange in the U.S., which is, I think it's owned by the Winklevoss twins, mm. um, who once they exited from Facebook, um, took, took some of that money and bought Bitcoin with it. And uh, now they're currently working through the um, substantial bureaucratic process of uh, attempting to get Bitcoin somewhat regulated so that um, the U.S. government will become more accepting of Bitcoin and thus the Bitcoin users and uh, you know they, they're essentially trying to facilitate the how would you phrase it um, well they're trying to facilitate in the, the legality side of Bitcoin to make it um, acceptable by you know Wall Street for futures trading and index funds and all, and all that stuff and so, they they, if I'm right, they personally feel that there needs to be some regulation to Bitcoin before it's really going to take off. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, well, you know, until it's regulated, it's it, it'll always be on the sidelines. So, uh, But isn't the fact that it's not regulated currently, isn't that what people like about it? Like, doesn't regulation mean involving government and government... Or are we talking about something else as far as regulation goes? Regulation in the, you know, um, I believe the, the Gemini Exchange is one of the exchanges where, how do they say it? It's, um, it, it's essentially your funds are, are guaranteed, you know. Okay. You know when you're in an unregulated market, I mean, you know, it's wide open and you you can run into some real issues with trying to actually hang on to your funds, right? So right. regulation means there's kind of a government backing that says, you know, this exchange is not nefarious. You know, they're doing everything right. And when you transfer money in there, mm -hmm. they're not just going to shut down and run away with your money. Right. How does someone know that they're using a site? Are you suggesting maybe go back to Reddit, have a look at Reddit and see what people say? <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, is gonna... Reddit the Bible? Is that what we're going to sort of use that for right now? Yeah, you're going to get tired of me saying this, but I mean, Reddit is really where you find out all of this information. Um, but, you know, if you're in the U.S., I know certainly that uh, Gemini, the Gemini Exchange is probably the safest and best exchange you can use to acquire Bitcoin. Um, although that there's many more. And personally, I have never used Gemini. I mean, I've used others. I've had no problems. But, you know, there have been some that um, were a bit sketchy. 
and uh, you know, and and people have lost money dealing with them. So it's you have to you have to do your homework and make sure that whatever exchange you're using is um, legitimate. Sure. So you know, look it up, Google it, right? That's what we're gonna say. You know, Google it. Go to Reddit. Have a look. Right. Make sure before you put any of your money in anywhere, people are saying you know good things about that site. Okay, so let's get down to the, the actual process of it. Um, for me, my first Bitcoins, I went to Coinsquare.io, um, and I transferred money from my bank account to this exchange. Um, yes. There are options available for transferring your money. Um, I use the Interact transfer because of the timeliness of it. Um, it's instant. I paid 2.5% um, plus a small fixed fee to transfer. And you said it's instant, where I believe I did not. I went through my bank, and I think it actually took a little while for me. A day or two days, I believe, did it not? Um, I think you were maybe. there when I did it. I th anyway, it wasn't instant, like Darren's saying. Yeah, and then, you know, there's other options where if you have larger funds, you know, you can wire money, um, although wires... You know, you won't pay as high a percentage typically for a wire, um, and, but usually it's for larger funds, like we're talking, uh, you know, $10,000 kind of thing plus. Right. Um, so for the Interact transfers, I think you're in Canada here anyways. In my personal scenario, you're limited to a $2,000 transfer. And uh, if you transfer multiple times... You're only allowed 2000 per 24 hours, and I think uh, five transfers per week maximum, something like that. So, you know, there's there's some stipulations, and luckily, my bank, I never had any issues, although, as Vince said, um, he was dealing with a different bank. There are a couple banks in Canada that will not allow you to transfer money to um, an exchange to buy a cryptocurrency. So the bank won't let you do with your own money what you would like. That's right. Yeah. That's interesting. Well. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the same in the US. I think they they just won't they won't facilitate that. So hmm. um, members of that bank have had to go to other banks, um, open up accounts there and then transfer their money that way. Well like you think. Yes, like me. I had to go and open up a whole separate account at a different bank, put money in it just to transfer it over. Um, small, really, when it comes right down to it. You know, I had to physically do it, but it wasn't the most horrible thing in the world. Um, now, we, we were discussing, you know, how to purchase Bitcoin, and I was looking the other day and not that I want to go off on a tangent about this whatsoever but there's also bank machines I understand that and there's because we are in Ontario I was reading that there's uh, I believe there's about five or six of them scattered throughout the Toronto area yep. where they actually have Bitcoin bank machines yep. let's call them sorry Bitcoin machines we'll call them the bank ATMs ATMs where you can actually go in put your physical cash into the thing and they will spit you out a bitcoin now it's not the actual no, bi bitcoin <laughs> well it's not the bitcoin but it's got to be a piece of paper that tells you 
you have a sequence of numbers with an account on it, correct? Uh, to some degree, yeah. Like, for a Bitcoin ATM, you put in the money, and then the ATM will usually ask for an address. So you basically have to provide the ATM with an address to send the Bitcoin you just purchased. What, please, what do you mean by an address, Darren? Uh, well, we covered it last week. It's a alphanumeric code. I think it's between 25 and 36 uh, letters and numbers. Right. Um, it, that would be the place where your Bitcoin is stored. So if you're, uh, you know, if you have a iPhone or Android phone or something, right, and you download a, a wallet app, um, there are many. I I think I was using Jack, so though there's probably. Well, there is other ones, and um, each each wallet has its pluses and minuses, and some are nefarious as well, so you have to do your research, make sure you get a wallet that's legitimate. Um, but, you know... That's when, next week's episode, by the way. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that next week, okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Libby. <laughs> but, you know, when I, when I um, open up Jax, J-A-X-X, the wallet, it um, shows me... Um, my Bitcoin address. If you know, I hit a, I hit a little button somewhere, and it'll tell me the address. And it'll also show a three D barcode. Um, I think some of these ATMs, I haven't used them before, but um, you could probably just show them the the three D barcode right on your phone, and it'll. The transfer is um, uh, starts from there. It's not always instant. Um, Bitcoin transfers right now. I think. Um, they've become a lot faster since the implementation of the Lightning Network and the, the SegWit wallet addresses. So anywhere from uh, a couple minutes to, to half an hour, you, you will all of a sudden see the Bitcoin show up in the wallet on your phone. Right. And, and, and there you go. Anywhere and everywhere they can, the media will... Put fear in your mind about Bitcoin. Um, what you'll run into with ATMs is uh, usually the owner of the ATM will take a percentage cut. So you know you might you might buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, you put a thousand dollars in the machine, and maybe you you get nine hundred and seventy dollars in Bitcoin. You know, uh, okay. that's a typical. Well, but every, everybody's taking a cut. When when I when I bought through CoinSquare, they took a piece. Oh yeah. You, none of this is you don't put in a thousand and get a thousand. It just doesn't work that way. There is a fee. Yeah. Transaction fee, we can call it. Well, you know, when I transferred my money from the bank to uh, the exchange on CoinSquare, you know, a two thousand dollar transfer through Interact. When you look at what you f you finally get in CoinSquare, it's nineteen fifty. So they've taken fifty dollars of the two thousand, and that's before you even trade for the for um, you know your virtual currency. They usually take a, I think uh, it's maybe point five percent or something like that on every trade. So you know it's um, sure it costs you a bit 
to acquire Bitcoin. Of course. Um, you know, when you if you look around and explore more options, you usually find um, better rates. I think I wound up going to Quadriga CX. Hmm. Um, and the Interact transfer was 1% less than the Interact transfer for CoinSquare. Um, it can be a lot of money when you're talking about, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. Now, it's possible. I haven't looked at the different the rates for Quadriga and CoinSquare for the actual trades. I know Quadriga charges 0.5% um, on the, each trade. Maybe CoinSquare charges less, so... Hmm. You know, a little bit of due diligence, but it's you're gonna you're gonna pay a bit to get your money on an exchange, um, and that's just the way it is right now. Sure, as it gets more popular and more exchanges come on and competition increases, you're going to see that come down. Um, but for, you know, for now, you know you're gonna it's gonna cost you a couple percent. Um, to acquire Bitcoin. But you're talking about, and I, the way I looked at it was, it was a very small drop in the bucket because I wanted to get it and I, you know, I'm used to paying money to get things, right? I opened up, when I opened up, the, for instance, I remember talking about opening up that new bank account so I could transfer the money. Every month, that bank account charges me $4. $4 every month. For what? I have no idea to hold my money. Well, a service fee, right? Service fee, they call it, which I love, but, yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually pretty pretty cheap <laughs> compared to most, but, uh, anyways. It very well could be. I didn't, uh, I didn't really look at it, and if anybody, anybody knows me, I don't do a lot of the banking in my house, so honestly, I could be paying a lot more than that, but I was, uh. I think maybe it just didn't rub me the wrong way having to pay $4 every month, but the price to do business with that bank right, is what it is. So, uh, yeah, I knew it ahead of time and I had a choice with it. Yeah. Do you want to purchase $100 worth of Bitcoin, have it sitting, you know, on your phone? And there are still some places where you can use that Bitcoin to purchase things. That's fantastic. It might work very well on your phone. I purchased a little bit more than that, so I didn't want it on my phone. I didn't want to be able to just lose it. So I went with CoinSquare. Um, I like the CoinSquare. I like the fact that I can get in. I can see my money at any point. I can see how much it's made, i.e. if the price of Bitcoin has went up or down. I can see whether or not my investment has went up or down. Um, and it, it, it felt secure to me. When you didn't want Bitcoin on your phone, so you went to an exchange to buy it, mm-hmm. um, it's you could almost argue it doesn't really matter because uh, well, as an example, I bought some Bitcoin um, a while back. Right. Um, I think I bought what did I buy? Two hundred fifty bucks. Okay. Worth, and I put it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I looked a month later at my phone, and it was nine hundred bucks. Oh! And I didn't want nine hundred bucks on my phone, mm-hmm. so I just sent some Bitcoin to a different address. So, right. Uh, I wanted to clarify is that you can send Bitcoin anywhere, and you can send any amount you want. 
So if, it can be on your phone, and then, uh, okay, maybe there's too much on your phone now, so send it somewhere else. But but is it not correct that if that Bitcoin is on your phone and you lose your phone, you've lost your Bitcoin? Oh, probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unless you've backed up, you know, the password. and Right. If someone finds your phone and opens your phone and can get in and, and send your, their bit, your Bitcoin to, to their them. address, then, yeah, you've lost it. You've for lost sure. it, yes. But I'm saying, you know, okay, so all of a sudden, you know, you realize there's 5,000 bucks in Bitcoin on your phone, mm -hmm. but you only want 100 on your phone, so... Send it. Send 4,900 to a different address. Right, right. Yes. Maybe to your hardware wallet that we discussed a bit last time, mm -hmm. or back to an exchange. Right. Um, you know, anywhere you want to, so... So, so you you holding your Bitcoin, you have the ability to send it and move it around. And yeah, it's money. Anytime you want, right? Sorry, that, I. That's the whole point of Bitcoin. Yes. Um, you know, and not at the bank's discretion. You just send it. I mean, I mean that's one of the basic tenets for acquiring and holding Bitcoin is that it it becomes your money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, money's been around for a long time. How long? I don't know. Ten thousand years, fifteen thousand years. Sure. No, nobody really knows, mm -hmm. right? But uh, I think Andreas Antonopoulos does uh, describes this really well in one of his YouTube videos. But um, you know, money. One of the purposes for money is as a store of value. Um, it's also um, what do you call it? Um, an agreed upon item used for exchanging goods. Yes. Um, and, and such forth. But more recently, um, since the Nixon area, um, it has also become a method for control. Banks are now able to seize your assets anytime they want without need for explanation and they have been able to do so for the last 25 years um, or as in the case of Switzerland um, they can cut off any country they like unless they unless they choose to start to comply with US commerce laws hmm. so you remember in Switzerland when you know everyone said oh you can get a Swiss bank account Everybody used to always think. And send your money over there and hide it, and right. it'll be hidden, and no one will, no one will ever know. Yeah. Not that I ever had a Swiss bank account, <laughs> or enough money to hide. Right. <laughs> and then you know, uh, what was it five, five years ago, maybe longer, ten years ago? All of a sudden, um, all these Swiss bank account holders, um, you know, the U.S. government and the IRS um, pushed. Switzerland to actually give all that information of uh, Swiss bank account holders um, to them to the US government because of, because if Switzerland didn't um, they would not be allowed to participate in the SWIFT network it's called um, much like uh, the embargo type thing against Iran okay mm -hmm. um, I think Russia you are essentially out in the cold. You are not allowed to use the SWIFT network for transferring money. So the U.S. basically bullied them into it. 
Well, it's, but Sorry, what, what I'm saying, word, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, Because the government has passed such interesting laws empowering the banking cartels um, to have ultimate say over who gets access to this privileged economic network or not, Mm -hmm. they are now able to control literally countries and governments. And if they don't comply, they're cut off. So where I don't think anybody can come in and take my Bitcoin, can they? Well, they can steal it or try to steal it, but they can't just freeze the account and take it. Right. So, I mean, Bitcoin, uh, you know, as the control over the economic network tightens, and it has been, what happens is the other tenants of, of money, as in, you know, a store of value, and uh, an agreed-upon method of exchange, value for exchange, um, those become um, less so than they, they used to. Now money is becoming less of a store of value and less of, of an agreed method for, for exchange partly because the control over money has increased. Right. Um, now, Bitcoin essentially resets it all. So hmm. there is no control over Bitcoin. It's your money. You do exactly what you want with it. The, the owners of Bitcoin control it. Yeah. And this is, of course, why, you know, really governments and banks um, really dislike it and they fear it. Because then the ultimate goal of Bitcoin is... Um, the wiping out of currency. Wiping out of currency, or we all control our own banks. Right. We are all, you know, anybody who owns a Bitcoin essentially runs their own little bank. Hey, it's, it's your, your money. money. You do what you want with it. You do what you, you want. You don't need with. a bank. You don't need you know. a bank, right. Okay, now if you have a mortgage, sure, you need something. You need somebody to write you a loan or give you some type of. Um, funds to acquire an asset that you can't afford. I mean, you know, banks aren't ever going to disappear. Right. But the extensive control of money is there's a there's a battle going on and it's a fierce one. Mm. Which is of course why, you know, um, most large powerful entities will try to instill fear about Bitcoin because they don't want you to buy Bitcoin. Well, that's what's happening right now. Almost anything you read. Yeah, it's happening. It'll ramp up further. It's gonna. It's not gonna stop. Um, you know, to the point where countries are now limiting your ability to get a hold of Bitcoin, as you say. You know, you encountered. You you've been with one of the big six banks in Canada. Yeah. So, you know, a very popular and common bank in Canada will not let you send your money to an exchange to buy Bitcoin. Right. And I know for a fact there's two of them that won't do that. And there will probably be more. Um, it'll, they're, they're trying to cut off the access to buy Bitcoin. And they're doing that also in the U.S. and pretty much every country across, across the world. Now, 
That's going off on a tangent. We don't want to do that. I was going to talk to, I've heard that there's actually countries that have made Bitcoin illegal. Is, is there any truth to that, or is it more of just they've made it very, very difficult uh, to purchase? Illegal? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't really know how you could make it illegal. You know, China's has really cracked down on cryptocurrency. Um, possibly it could be they could have made it illegal. South Korea, they've chosen to regulate it. Hmm. Uh, they want to avoid issues like say uh, a 12 year old you know <laughs> trying to uh, you know um, invest in bitcoin you know they want you to be i think 18 or older an adult responsible fiscally responsible that, that, that that's that's smart thing. though i like that i, I they're, they're regulating the exchanges sure and these are places where you can buy bitcoin or other virtual currencies and also sell these same virtual currencies right for the korean one or you know, mm-hmm. um, the typical, uh, the physical fiat currency. Yeah. Um, and they're regulating it just because they want to protect their citizens. Right. You know, uh, it, they go in and they take a look at the exchange and they make sure they're doing everything properly. Mm-hmm. They're not stealing people's money with the intent of eventually closing down and, you know, right. moving to, I don't know where, somewhere away from you know, mm-hmm. South Korea's ability to catch them or something, right? So, right. Um, you know, that same, there are exchanges out there that have done that. Sure. Um, I think Bitrix is one. I don't count as wrong, but, you know, people people have lost a lot of money on that. Um, life savings, although they should never put that much money to start <laughs> with. But, yeah, I, I don't know. We kind of went around, danced around the topic a bit, but... Um, we did, and... We will definitely update our website and provide a not a full list of exchanges but a list of exchanges that we like and probably some links to research that further right um, to make sure that you're acquiring Bitcoin in a safe manner um, I will mention one thing um, again on reddit you know I talk about reddit a lot I read on reddit where you know, there are literally people who are um, are using phishing websites. So, you know, uh, Binance is one of them. That's one of the sites. If you Google Binance, there's, I think there's an ad that comes up that takes you to a, a website that really isn't Binance, but looks like Binance. And then when you try to log in, they steal all your login information, log on in, onto the real Binance, and then transfer all of your currency out of there. So how do you know if you're on the real Binance or not? You enter the URL, you type it in, you don't click on an ad, uh, you don't, you don't okay. click on links to get to an exchange, Right. you type it in. Um, that's, a good tip. that's really the... That's a great the, tip. The best way to go about it. And uh, just whenever you are on an exchange or a site that's dealing with your money, make sure you look at the top bar and check the URL. And the, the URL is legitimate. It says exactly what it is supposed to say. Um, as an example, I'm just going to make something up. But, you know, the exchange I, we went to was called Coinsquare.io. Um, now I check the URL and if it says something like 
you know, coinsquare.io.ru or, or something different, anything different than that, then, you know, the alarm... Run. The alarm flag <laughs> should go up. Do not enter sensitive data like your password in the site like that because uh, they're usually up. They're usually trying to steal something from you. So I'll just leave it at that. Now, we did mention a little bit in there about uh, an age, and I think we talked about, you know, the, the security measures they have in here for kids. Um, if there's any kids out there listening to this podcast... And sure, there sure there probably might be, but kids would have shut us off five minutes. Ah, uh, but let, let, let's just say there's one, and we don't want to lead them astray. Please, 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 go talk to your parents before you go move any money. We know you know how to. You probably are more efficient on a computer. At least I know my own children are than I well, ever you will. You sound be. like an old man saying that. Well, I'm not an old man. I'm just a little bit computer illiterate. <laughs> But anyway, as my friend Darren will tell you on another podcast, I'm sure of it. But just if you're under the age of 18, please talk to your parents about it. Get their permission. Do it with them. Please please be careful. And Okay, we're done. All right. Hey, bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.